you know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly... Uh, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. Mm. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Forever35.
Well, hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. I have a small self-care victory that I would love to share right off the bat with you today, Dori. I can't wait to hear it. I booked my first mammogram. (gasps) Congratulations. Thank you. It only took me six months to do it. Oh, Kate, I didn't do it for a year. It's very, I'm not, I don't, it's not a great move on my part or anyone's part to get the mammogram referral and then not go. Oh, totally. But there is. I felt very guilty about it. I did too. And I, a friend, I had posted in a Facebook group about this and a friend said, does anyone want to be mammogram accountability partners? Ooh. And so three of us are on a text thread and we all committed. Maps. Is that what yeah, mammogram account? Yeah, maps. We're maps. <laughs> yeah, you're Thank maps. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Find a map, everybody. <laughs> or as the Indigo Girls say, get out a map. Oh. Mm, I love an Indigo Girls reference on this podcast <laughs> within two minutes of it starting. It's like Forever 35 bingo. <laughs> Indigo Girls reference. Dory saying reframe the narrative. <laughs> Me feeling bad about something or nervous. <laughs> you saying, shut up, Kate. <laughs> yeah, me talking to myself. <laughs> And me saying, no negative self-talk. That's right. And then maybe I would say definitely, an, mm, I love that. From either one of us, yeah, that could be the I middle was square. Say, yeah, exactly. Okay. Anyway. Wow. Hope you all are playing along at home. That could be very fun. Could be. And it could be a drinking game, but you take a sip of tea. Ooh, or kombucha. A kombucha. <laughs> we are. Boy. <laughs> Just when you can't be more on brand. We go there. But yeah, I scheduled my mammogram and that I texted is... my maps and it was just... Seriously, that is awesome. And it was really helpful having um, my friend Katie, thank you, Katie, just say like, hey, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do on Monday. What's your goal? Like, I forget, everybody had a different thing that they needed to get done. That's awesome. Can so, I give you my little pro tip about mammograms? Yeah. So like many women, and I think especially women on the younger side of things, I have dense breast tissue. Me too. And often when you go and you have dense breast tissue, especially if they've never given you a mammogram before, they have no baseline. Right. So they will ask you to come back because for another, for an ultrasound. Okay. Because, and, and it can be kind of nerve wracking, right? Oh yeah. Because they're like, we couldn't get a reading. So as soon as they did my mammogram and they said, you have dense breast tissue, I said, can I do the ultrasound today? And they said, let's see if the tech is here. And she was. And so I knocked it out and if nothing was, nothing was wrong. Um, and I'm just glad I did that. So Good I advice. would say if you're able to do the ultrasound the same day, just knock it out. Okay. That's great advice. I'm doing Thank a you. 3D mammogram, which I'm really mm-hmm. excited about. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm ready for this next step step of like, you know, it feels kind of like a rite of passage. Totally. Uh in your 40s and also if it's sometimes it's hard for me to do doctor stuff because I I have a lot of anxiety about health. Mm-hmm. So I'll put it off so it feels good that I did it and set it up. I will also say that it was not as painful as I thought it was going to be. Okay. I feel like we've like I've heard so many scary stories about how painful mammograms are and i was kind of like oh your boobs felt okay my boobs felt fine is it a quick process yeah okay so uh, i i don't know maybe i just had like really scary expectations Mm -hmm. but 
it was not that scary. Good to know. It's hard to know what your pain threshold is. I just had a wart frozen off my thigh. Ooh. Uh, and that was very exciting. <laughs> was very exciting <laughs> and very painful. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of a baby about stuff, but we'll see how it goes. But I'm I'm pleased to report that. I'm really happy to hear that. Do you have a self-care small victory this week, Dory? Um I just made well, this up on the spot, by the way, but I did to have share. to write shower on my to-do list. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Dory. So that's where we're at. <laughs> but you know what? Good for you. Did you do it? Did you check it off? Yeah, I did. But so that's what it takes. But I like good for you. Because you know I do my to-do list at night before I go to bed. Right, and your notepad by your bed. And my notepad by my bed. And I was like, wow, I really need to sh-. this was a few days ago. I was like, I really need to shower tomorrow. I can't even remember the last time I washed my hair. It's gross. I'm going to just put it on my to-do list so I don't forget because especially if I don't do it in the morning, yeah, the day just kind of bl- like fades away and I'm like, well, it's already like three o'clock. Like as we've discussed, I don't see the point in an afternoon shower. You know, I get it <laughs> and I understand your perspective, but you might want to just like step out of your comfort zone I, I step into the tub in the shower. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Yes, maybe you maybe are someday. right. I'm just saying my thought process is no, often I get like, it. I know. Oh, it's already in the middle of the day. Like, there's no point in showering now. I, I'll I just shower tomorrow, that. and then this keeps happening. So yeah, that's a great victory, though. <laughs> you showered. Thank you. I really think that's wonderful. Thank you so much. And I also think you you knew like you were in a space where you need to write it down so you make sure yeah. it happens and prioritize sure it did. for yourself. Yeah. Good so that you, is my self care teensy tiny little victory i you know small vic small self-care victories is what it's all about Mm -hmm. you know that's true so i'm happy to share them listeners let us know yours yeah hit us up on the jeans uh jeans bingo square bingo yeah that was (laughs) we're just doing it uh zap us on the gram okay what else is happening with you kate look dory i have been having really good poops lately. I don't know how else to say mm. it. Um, I've been having. Do you poop at the same time every day? I kind of do. I do too. It's like, and you know what? So does Henry. You know, runs in the family. Yep, apparently, exactly. I think that's a sign of a uh, good digestion. I think so too. I'm into it. It's I'm... like I'm my own probiotic. You are your own probiotic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I have been. I read this book um, by Mark Bittman called Vegan Before Six. Okay. Because part of my old intuitive eating journey has been um, relearning that it's okay for me to eat the vegetarian meals that I once liked. Mm -hmm. Like I've stopped demonizing beans, which was a thing I was really deep into when my disordered eating was a full blast. I'm just picturing a little pinto bean in like a demon costume. A little like devil horns just staring at me. I had, I read so much literature specifically about like whole 30 eating, Mm. which like if that's your jam, cool. But it wasn't for me. uh, And, but I, and I used to love really eating vegetarian and, but I went so far in the other way that like it it was very hard for me to eat things like grains and Mm -hmm. beans, which are restricted on those diets yeah. so um it has been fun for me to revisit those areas of eating and so i read this mark Bittman book uh and i liked it i didn't love everything about it um his basic he just kind of describes how he eats because he had high cholesterol and, mm. and which is something i actually have um 
and he basically eats a vegan diet before 6 p.m. And then because he's a food writer, you know, he leaves the evenings open for work meals or what have you. But I, but what I liked about this book, and again, I didn't love everything about it. It was a bit focused on too much on weight loss for my tastes, but I'm trying to avoid anything about weight loss. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of his recipes are really great. And like, for example, he talks about eating wheat berries, Mm -hmm. which is like the wheat grain and it's like fullest, most like potent form. Mm -hmm. Like it's got all the stuff on Mm -hmm. it. And I would have never in a million years allowed myself to eat something called wheat berries, let's say a year ago. Wow. No way. No huh way. So I made myself a wheat berry salad. It was Yum. delicious. It was filling. So it was just fun. It, I'm, I'm doing a little, you know, exploring into the, the plant world, the plant-based world, especially because I am trying to be conscious of my cholesterol. So look, I don't know. I've talked to my nutritionist about it, talking to my therapist about it. Um, but that has been really fun for me to just kind of make more vegan meals, more vegetarian meals. Mm-hmm. And look, beans are great. Dory, how are you doing over there? You know, in addition to showering. <laughs> well, I, my, my Henry has a cold. Me too. So that has kind of been a bummer because you feel like powerless. I mean, relatively powerless to, to help them. Yeah. And they can't articulate what they need. Yeah. So that's been a little tough. Also, on the work front, I took on a couple of freelance projects and I really feel like I'm just like sort of trying to keep my head above water. Like, I don't think I I turned in one of them last week and I haven't gotten any feedback on it yet. So, of course, I'm like, oh, no, they hate it. You know, um, and then the other one, but like maybe, no. but then I had to go to, uh, Disney on Saturday for this other piece that I'm working on. I had to go to D23, which is like the, their big fan convention. Um, and I, I realized like kind of in the same way that I used to always be late because I would think I could get more done in the amount of time I had than I actually could. Mm -hmm. I think I sometimes put too much on my plate because I think I can get it all done in the amount of time that I have. And I actually cannot. Well, and you've got the addition of a child. Yes. Oh, of course. So that's, that's kind of throwing everything off. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to get better about saying no to things and, but, you know, as as you know, as a freelancer, it's always very stressful to say no to things because you're like, what if no one ever hires me for anything again? And that always goes through my mind. Sure. And, you know, I've in the past, I freelanced when I had to take every job because I, I needed the money. And fortunately, I'm in a position now where I don't have to take every job, but I need to take some of the jobs. Um, and kind of like figuring out what to say yes to and what to say no to. It, it's it's complicated. And then, you know, there's also a part of me that I'm like, oh, I'm so flattered to be approached for stuff. Sure. You know, people remember me. People remember <laughs> I exist and that I can write things. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. But I also can't, I think I'm susceptible to that flattery leading me to say yes. Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? Yes, I have lived my whole life that way. Yeah. It's like, oh, they reached out to me. You think I'm worthy? Yeah. I do that for so many things. Yeah. And so kind of 
separating the flattery from the, do I want to do this? Do I need to do this? Do I have the time to do this? Is the money good enough? Like all of those things I need to just kind of like evaluate before I say yes or no to things. Um, so yeah, so I think, and yeah, like you said, I have a child now, so that has kind of forced me to be much more selective about what I can take on. So yeah, so that's what's been going on. Just some profesh stuff. That's great though. It's great that you're up and running. Does it feel good to be back in the working space? I feel like I'm up and like waddling. (laughs) You know? Not really running yet. Sure. I mean, that's, yes, you are up and you're up. I'm up. How about that? I am up. Yes. You're up and you're in it. I am up and in it. So yeah. So, so that does feel good. Good. Um, but it's just, it's just, you know, you're just kind of constantly balancing things. But you know what? That is life. It is life. And the idea that balance can even exist to me seems like BS. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, too. I feel like it is um, an unachievable, a, unachievable thing that we're being set up to try to attain. And it's yeah. like, well, it's just not going to happen. So yeah, so that's what's been happening with me. We're switching things up a little bit this yeah. week. We're going to do our interview next with Gretchen Rubin. And then we're going to come back and Kate and I are going to discuss kind of what we learned about ourselves. As we did. After talking to Gretchen. Yeah. So we so, will be back with that. Yep. BRB. Our guest today is Gretchen Rubin. Welcome, Gretchen, to Forever 35. I'm so happy to be talking to you. We are so happy to have you. Um, Gretchen is the author of several books, including the blockbuster New York Times bestsellers, Outer Order, Inner Calm, Better Than Before, The Happiness Project, Happier at Home, and The Four Tendencies. She has an enormous readership, both in print and online, and her books have sold more than three and a half million copies worldwide in more than 30 languages. And on her weekly podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, she discusses good habits and happiness with her sister, Elizabeth Kraft. She lives in New York City with her husband and two daughters. Um, And I have to say, Gretchen, you have been one of our most requested guests for a very long time. Since day one. Oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah. So we are... thrilled to be talking to you for for many reasons um we should maybe also let you know you're speaking with one obliger and one ah, questioner yep okay good well my sister elizabeth the co-host she's an obliger and my husband's a questioner oh so, so you're used you know, to us I, I know yeah i do i am yes and we know you're an upholder I am. I am. And if anybody wants to take the quiz, they can take the free quick quiz at uh, quiz.gretchenrubin.com. And like 2 million people have taken this quiz and you can find out if you're an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, or a rebel. We don't, we haven't mentioned any rebels yet, but um, they're a small group, but a, but a, but a noticeable group. Yes. Rebel. Yeah. Do you want to quickly give an overview of the four tendencies uh, just for listeners who might not be familiar? Yeah. 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 So, um, and this sounds kind of boring when I start, but uh, I promise it gets juicy. So stay with me. Um, the four tendencies, uh, which is whether you're an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, a rebel, look at how we respond to expectations. And we all face two kinds of expectations. Outer expectations, things like a work deadline, a request from a friend, and then inner expectations, our own desire to keep a New Year's resolution, our own desire to get back into meditation. And so your tendency reflects 
your how you respond to the combination of outer and inner expectations. So upholders like me respond to outer and inner expectations. So we keep the work deadline. We keep the New Year's resolution without much fuss. Uh, what other people expect from us is very important, but our expectations for ourselves are just as important. So like the motto of an upholder is discipline is my freedom. Then there are questioners like one of you. Um, questioners question all expectations. They'll do something if they think it makes sense. So they resist anything arbitrary, ineffective, unjustified. They're making everything an inner expectation. If it meets their inner standard, they'll do it no problem. If it fails their inner standard, they will push back. Um, and, uh, so their, their motto is I'll comply if you convince me why. Then there are obligers. Obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. And I got my first insight into this when a friend said to me, and I've heard this from so many people, like, I really, I want to exercise. I know I'm happier if I exercise. And when I was in high school, I was on the track team and I never missed track practice. So why can't I go running now? Well, it's when you had when she had a team and a coach expecting her to show up, no problem. But when she was trying to go running on her own, uh, it was a struggle. And so, what obligers need, if they want to meet an inner expectation, is they need outer accountability. If you want to exercise, you work out with a trainer, work out with a friend who's going to be annoyed. Uh, you know, pay for a class. Uh, a volunteer to do something, raise money for a charity, so they don't get the money if you don't follow through. Um, outer accountability. So their motto is, you can count on me, and I'm counting on you to count on me. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's the biggest group, by the way, for both men and women. That's the biggest group. And then rebels. Rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. And so the motto of the rebel is, you can't make me, and neither can I. Um, and so rebel is the smallest group. Um, and, uh, and then, as I said, obliger is the largest group for both men and women. So you either are an obliger or you have many obligers in your life. They're the biggest group. Upholder is only slightly larger than rebels. Those are kind of the two extreme personality types. They're kind of the fringe type personalities. And then questioner is um, also pretty big. I'm a questioner married to an obliger. And Kate is an obliger married to a questioner. I think so. Yeah, it, it's been very clarifying. And actually, I have to tell you, what made me laugh is that a, a quite a, maybe even a year ago, not a year ago, but a few months ago, I got an email from a listener that had requested you as a guest and then also called out my tendency before I had figured it out. It was like, Kate, Aww. you're unobliged. Like they just knew <laughs> from listening to me, which was really yes. fascinating. So it's not only is it clarifying, I think, about ourselves, but it's clarifying about the people in our lives, which I imagine is very helpful as we kind of navigate this stuff together. No, it is super helpful. And like I hear all the time from teachers and healthcare professionals and coaches and um, parents, uh, you know, sweethearts, people at work, both as managers, as employees. It really helps because you understand why you're having certain kinds of conflicts or why people are experiencing certain kinds of frustrations. Yes. And it's really obvious. Like, I I don't know if you guys watch Game of Thrones, but like Game of Thrones, I'm like, I know what all the tendencies of all the characters in Game of Thrones are practically. (laughs) Because it's super obvious if you if you think about it all the time the way I do, it starts to be very obvious. And there's also kind of tip-offs. Like um, if there is a rebel who is paired up either at work or in romance, almost always the rebel is paired up with an obliger. So if you know someone's a rebel, there's a very, very strong likelihood that the person close to them, whether it's their founding partner of their firm or their husband or their wife, that person's an obliger. If people talk about things being arbitrary, like – 
Speed limits are arbitrary. Why can I only take five garments into a dressing room? Like, why is this due on Friday? That's a strong sign that someone's a questioner because they're very, very troubled by arbitrariness. And anytime somebody talks about self-care or boundaries, that's a big tip off that someone is an obliger. And when you think someone is too rigid, I get this a lot. That's often a sign that someone is an upholder. Whether people are saying to you, you're too rigid, or you're thinking to yourself, why is everybody saying I'm too rigid? I'm not too rigid. <laughs> why can't everybody else just make a to-do list and stick to it? Why can't we just make a calendar and like and hold to it? It's like, okay, you're probably an upholder. Um, and so, yeah, I do think it is really helpful because then you understand like why something that works really well for you might not work for someone else or why something that someone else finds very easy to do, you find hard. Sometimes I think people beat themselves up or they think there's something wrong with them. Yeah. Like rebels can't use, really often can't use to-do lists. Um, and, and they think like every other grown-up in the world uses a to-do list. What's, what's wrong with me? It's like, no, this is a rebel thing. Rebels have other strategies that they use that help them achieve the aim that most people use a to-do list for, but do it in a rebel way. Or like obligers. It's like obligers are like, I don't understand why I keep everybody's promises. to. I keep my promises to other people, but I don't keep my promises to myself. What's wrong with me? I don't have self-esteem. Like I don't have motivation. I don't have self-control. I'm like, no, that's an obliger thing. You just need utter accountability. Then that's like problem solved. It's like, it's not, it's not hard once you understand what, what's really at issue. Um, and it, so you can be a lot more effective when you're trying to figure out how to solve a problem or achieve an aim rather than just kind of throwing a lot of spaghetti against the wall and not really understanding why something works and something else doesn't work. I also like that it's kind of reframing the idea of the question that I have asked myself many times of what's wrong with me. There is nothing wrong with you. Right. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. I think for people, the thing is to say, this isn't working for me to achieve an aim what's another way I could try to achieve that aim? Because like whether you want to eat more healthfully or get more sleep or read more or spend more time with your friends or stay with, put down your device or whatever it is, there's a lot of ways you can do that. And sometimes people get very stuck on like, this is the right way. This is the most efficient way. This is what I should do. Instead of saying, this works really well for my sister-in-law. It doesn't work for me. So what else can I do? How can I, how else can I try? And, um, and the nice thing about the tendencies is, it shows that you're part of a big community. Like I have this app, the better app. It's like a free app where people can go in and they can talk about their tendencies or how to be happy or whatever. And what's nice is that people are like, Oh, I, this is a thing that a lot of people experience. I thought it was just like my weird pathology, but no, this is, this is not uncommon. And like what solutions have other people come up with? Because especially obligers giving themselves outer accountability, it is hilarious the crazy ingenious solutions that they come up with. Um, and then again, you just, you just do what somebody else. It's like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You're like, Oh, I can't, I sleep through my snooze alarm and I live by myself. What do I do about it? It's like, Oh, hilarious uh, solutions exist to that problem. Just do what some, just copy somebody else. Like you don't need to figure it. There's nothing wrong with you. This is a common problem. Well, one of the questions we got um, was, is from an obliger and it is such a classic obliger question that uh, I, I feel like we must read it, which is as an obliger, how do you not feel like you're asking too much from an accountability partner? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's a great question. Okay. For one, I am not a fan of accountability partners because it is a lot of work to be an accountability partner. And what can often happen is that if one person in, a, in an accountability pair 
gets distracted, loses interest, gets sick, is out of town, then it can kind of fall apart. I'm much more a fan of accountability groups because that way any one person doesn't matter. You've got the whole group. So if you want to finish your PhD, if you want to stick to exercise, if you want to start your side hustle, like I think you're better off in a group. Also, you might be better off with someone who's a paid accountability partner rather than like a volunteer, like your sister. Because somebody, if you're working with a coach or a nutritionist or a trainer, um, someone like that, first of all, they have expertise. And second of all, like they're paid to hold you accountable. And you want to be clear that you want to be held accountable. Like a friend of mine is a psychiatrist and she says, well, I don't want to hold you accountable. I want to help you hold yourself accountable. And I'm like, well, I don't think that works for a lot of obligers. I think a lot of obligers want somebody to hold them accountable. That's what they need. So you need to be clear. Like I want you to, like I have a friend who, who is an obliger. And when she applies for a new job, she says, I like working for a tough boss. I do best when I'm working with a demanding boss. I don't want to be in a workplace where it's like everybody do your own work in your own way. We don't want to be your babysitter. I want deadlines. I want accountability. I want teams. That's how I work. So part of it is knowing yourself and getting yourself into that situation because it is a lot of work to be an accountability partner. And I will say this, upholders, questioners, and rebels often do resist giving accountability from their own perspective because upholders and questioners are like, you should be able to do this yourself. Like they, even if they intellectually understand it, they don't really understand the why an obliger finds that difficult. And they will often say things like, do it or don't do it. I don't care. But just like if you're, if you say you're going to do it, do it. Or I don't want to be your babysitter. Do your work in your own way. That's not helpful for obligers. They need that outer accountability. And of course, rebels resist the whole idea of accountability altogether. So they're kind of like, they're like, you don't want to do it. Don't do it. You know? so, <laughs> they're the ones they're like, let's blow it off. Let's play hooky today, which is why it's great. And that's why obligers are often attracted to rebels because rebels offer them this freedom that's very appealing, but it means that they're not good accountability partners. And also even, even with other, aside from that, sweethearts do not make good accountability partners for a very romantic reason. Um, it's like you are so close to me that I, you are like me. And so I will ignore you just the way I would ignore me. Your expectations count as inner to me. So this is often comes up as a frustration where some, like somebody said to me, look, I've been telling my husband for years that he needed to lose weight and go to the doctor regularly. He's in terrible shape and he just ignored me. And then one day his boss says to him like, hey, Jim, you just like I can just look at you and see you're in terrible shape. You need to drop some weight, go to the doctor, like get yourself together. And then he makes an appointment the next week and like starts down this path to, to health. And she was very hurt because she's like, he doesn't care about what I think. He's not listening to me. And yet his boss just makes one comment. And I'm like, no, what's really going on is you're like his inner expectation. You're so close to him. He doesn't hear you. The boss is outer expectation. And so it's like tripping that obliger tendency outer expectation but it's not because he doesn't care about you or that he ignores you it's just you're so close you're not providing that outer accountability so you really don't want to turn to a sweetheart for that but i will say this you know who makes great accountability partners children they love to be the police they love to walk around and like bust you if you if you don't do what you're supposed to do and you can also do things like hey listen kids 
I'm supposed to be working on my novel and I know you've got homework. And so I'm going to work on my novel when you're doing your homework. And if you see that I'm not doing my working on my novel, you don't have to work on your homework and your kids will chase you around and, and like, and you'll feel like you have to work on your novel just because you want your kids to do their homework. So there's a lot of ways you can create accountability, but I am not a fan of just like the one-off accountability partner because it can be very unstable. You just described my relationship. So good. Excellent. We are Excellent. shaking in our chairs. You can't see, good. but we're both making screaming faces because. Okay. Yes. Oh, I wish I could see. <laughs> I'll send some photos. But... But anyway, it... how, how did you get originally get interested in kind of diving into these four tendencies? What What was the impetus for exploring this more? Well, I got to say, it just about melted my brain. I think it's the hardest intellectual thing that I've ever done because I didn't know they were there. You know, like no one else has identified these, even though they're very obvious once you see them. Somehow nobody else has spotted them. And I got an insight into it because I was studying habits because I, I wrote a book called Better Than Before that was all about the strategies that people can use to make or break habits. And I started to pick up these patterns and I couldn't make sense of them. And so I was thinking a lot of it. But for something like people would like when that friend said to me, I don't understand. I never miss track practice. Why can't I go running on my own? I, I felt it hit me. I was like, that is big. Like I felt like a, like a shiver run down my whole body. I was like, I have to explain that. And I, but, it, but was it, was it time? Was it the social aspect? Like I couldn't figure out what, what was the significant thing I was thinking and thinking. And then I started noticing other patterns. For instance, I was often talking to people about New Year's resolutions because if you're talking about habits, New Year's resolutions come up. And a certain number of people answered in exactly the same way. They said, I will keep a resolution when it makes sense to me, but I would not do it on January 1st because January 1st is an arbitrary date. And I thought, well, that is interesting because the arbitrariness of January 1st never really tripped me up. So like, why is it that for some people that is like a real, like they really object to that. And then I remember talking to somebody about, I was like, oh, I'm writing a book about habits and like how we can form habits and have a life that's more full of habits. And she literally stepped back from me like, oh my gosh, that's, that, that is like such a disgusting, loathsome idea to me. I'm going to back away from you physically. <laughs> the rebel, and rebels don't like the ideas of being chained to habits, typically. So I started seeing all of these patterns, and but I couldn't make sense of them, and I didn't even know if they all fit, they were related or unrelated. Driving me crazy. And then, um, and then I hit this idea of expectation. I was sitting right here where I am right this second, looking at my to-do list and somehow the word expectation just kind of filled my mind. And I realized that was the unifying thing. That's what brought all these patterns together. And as I was thinking about it, I realized there was this distinction between that there was a difference between wanting to keep a new year's resolution for yourself and wanting to meet a deadline for your boss, that there was this difference. That was the difference between the track team and running on my own. And, and then it was just like, it was this crazy thing where all of a sudden everything fit together. It was like the puzzle where everything slid together and it made this sort of perfect overlapping Venn diagram. Uh, so it was like nature. It was like the periodic table of the elements. I'm like this, this it's, it's perfect. It's complete and it's symmetrical and it's geometric. And it's like the elegance of nature. And it, it was like the greatest moment of my life, um, I, you know, just intellectually, because all of a sudden I just had this clarity, but, but it was months and months and months of just kind of sifting through things and being puzzled and frustrated until I figured it out. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Superpower Short. The Superpower Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me me just tell you why. Yeah, get into it. Do you want to tell me why? No, no. I was just going to say like I... I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. See how also, it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast, but I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year, I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like, I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college, so this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes, 
get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually... Actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince. But it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie. Also from Quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from thirty dollars. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning fourteen karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. We want to switch gears a little bit to talk about your previous book, The Happiness Project, and kind of happiness in general. Um, And I wanted to start with a, a kind of existential question that a listener had, which is, how is joy different from happiness? Okay. So I started my career in law, and so I spent an entire semester arguing about the definition of contract. 
And if anything, happiness is a more elusive concept to define. There's something like 15 or 17 academic definitions of happiness. And I think that for the lay person, you call it whatever you want. Happiness, joy, bliss, contentment, satisfaction, fulfillment, hedonic well-being, whatever you want. Let it be. Because we can argue about definitions forever. And I think it just doesn't really, it's not clarifying at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think. I think it's help, more helpful to think about whatever it is for you, how can you be happier? If for you it's joy, how can you be more joyful mm. next week, next month, next year? How do you have more of that in your life rather than sitting around arguing about why bliss is actually different from joy? Because because people make up these definitions and like, like okay, so now I've defined it. I'm like, well, you've defined it for yourself, but somebody else could define it differently. And then what does that mean? I, I To me, mm. it just it doesn't feel... Like it's answering the question, which is assuming that I want to be happier, however I would define it for myself, how would I how would I go about doing that? I think that's a much more interesting question and really much more what most people are thinking about. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's, that's a helpful way to look at it. Um, but we did get another question from from a listener and she wrote, as I'm nearing the twilight of my life, how do I continue to find that happiness? Well, it's interesting because actually older people tend to be, tend to score happier. Um, so that's good. You got that working for you. Um, the natural trends of happiness are on your side. Um, but I think it's the same thing. I mean, it's relationships. Um, it's, uh, energy. Um, it's, uh, a sense of growth. And so I think as, as your circumstances of your life change, then you need to think about how to adapt these big elements of a happy life into your life. So, um, uh, relationships, okay. You might be living in a different place or the people around you, the relationships could be changing. How are you going to stay in close connection with people who you're already close to and how do you broaden your social network? Um, you know, I think it's always good to think about your body, our, our physical experience, always colors, our emotional experience. Clearly, as we get older, that there's new issues there to think about. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is the long game, as we all know. It's like, you don't, you want to start thinking about it now and setting yourself up for good health and energy down the road with what you're doing right now, however old you are. Um, and then, you know, an atmosphere of growth, we, we're happier when we feel like we're growing, when we're contributing, when we're learning, when we're making something better or fixing something. And so, you know, and you see a lot of things kind of in culture where it's like the encore career, um, people wanting to take classes or give back or volunteer or have a second career or whatever as a way to engage Um after their kind of main career period has come to a close. And, and that can even be, you know babysitting your grandchildren or, you know, uh, joining a book group and, you know, a new book group. So you're reading more, um, all this stuff. How, here's a listener question for you that we thought was kind of interesting, um, that I don't know if, if there is a solution for, but they want to know how do they stay happy when everyone around them is unhappy or down? Oh, that's a great question. So that is really hard because there is something called emotional contagion. We literally infect each other with our moods. And so you are, we are very susceptible to the emotions of the people around us. Now, 
if there is one particular person, you can try, like, let's say there's somebody who's really a downer at work. You can try to maybe engage with that person by email instead of face-to-face. You might want to give, try to give yourself a little bit of distance so you're not picking up that negative emotion. I would say that one thing some people try to do is they try to be like the little ray of sunshine who makes everybody happier, and that can become very, very exhausting. It is true that happy people tend to make people happier, but... Um, if you try to do that, you can really irritate the people who you're trying to cheer up because a lot of times people don't want to be told things like, look on the bright side, or you should just right. smile. They don't like that. That annoys them. So don't do that. Um, and also don't drain yourself by feeling like you're trying to fix them. Let them be who they are. Um, a really, in, uh, there's an amazing, my favorite, favorite parenting book of all time has, it's just as useful for adults as children. It's called How to Talk to Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. And one of the things they say there for children, and it works just as well for adults, is acknowledge the reality of other people's feelings. Because a lot of times if you're like, I'm cheerful, you're down, you're telling me I feel down, I'm telling you, you should cheer up, things aren't that bad, you'll have fun, it, you know, you always do a good job. You know, it's like, okay, you're denying the reality of somebody's feelings, and that makes them feel frustrated and unheard. And it's better off to say like, you know, I feel like the report is going to go great, but you're really worried about it. It's like, Yes, I am. Thank you. You know what I mean? You don't have to like tell people that they don't feel what they don't feel. If you acknowledge the reality of their feelings, a lot of times they can release those feelings more easily. Sometimes though, like bad things are happening to people around you. And like we've all been in a situation where like anywhere you turn, there's a problem, there's an annoyance, there's a challenge, there's a, there's a source of sorrow. Uh, and, um, and that's really hard. And I think that's when you really have to just kind of hunker down and like, make sure you get enough sleep, make sure you get some exercise, give yourself distraction by like watching funny movies or watching your favorite TV show, spending time with friends, being with other people really tends to lift us up. So find some people who really do lift you up and, and make time to engage with them. Um, really, you know, do the things to try to help and keep your, your gas tank filled. There are times in our lives where it's not possible to be happy and where we wouldn't even really think it was appropriate to be happy, but we can be as happy as we can be under the circumstances. And so you do want to try to keep yourself, um, you don't want to like let yourself just burn out and, and run out, um, if you can help it, but you want to try to keep your own gas tank filled and, and let time work these things through. I love that. It's sort of a corollary to put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. yeah. Um, someone else was wondering if you have any recommendations for evening or bedtime rituals to promote happiness. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, so there's rituals where I feel like those are more personal, but I can talk about habits that I think help people get more sleep. Yes. Um, which is probably what the crux of that is. Um, one, and these are all things that I use, have used with great success. One is give yourself a bedtime because sometimes adults are like, well, I'll just go to bed as soon as I'm tired. But then we jack ourselves up with like work email or binge watching Netflix and then we stay up too late. Um, so most adults need seven hours. So figure out what time you wake up in the morning and do the math. Um, and that is your bedtime. And you should say to yourself, this is my bedtime. Okay, I'm up a half an hour past my bedtime. I'm up an hour past my bedtime. So you give that, that awareness. It can be very helpful to actually set an alarm that your phone goes off. Just like you have a, just like you have an alarm to wake you up in the morning. You have an alarm that's like, it's time to go to bed. So you have a cue and you might have a snooze alarm, literally a snooze alarm that's like, Hey, 
in 10 minutes, it's going to be time to go to bed, um, to help you kind of get your, just to trigger you to go, start moving to bed. One thing that's really helpful for me is I realized that I was staying up too late because I was too tired to go to bed. Weirdly, I was like so exhausted that the thought of like taking out my contacts, watching my face, changing my clothes, it, like I just was so, I was, I couldn't face it. So I just stayed up, which is clearly not the right approach. So what I try to do is to get ready well before I think I'm going to go to sleep. So I've, I've already, I'm already ready for bed while I'm still up and around. And so when I'm, when I feel like, okay, it's my bedtime, it's time to go to sleep. I'm tired. Then I can just go to bed. And that, and that's very helpful. Um, I also am a big fan of like, um, like taking 10 minutes to just sort of tidy things up. This is a good way to kind of relax. If you need some way to kind of calm yourself down, not deep cleaning. You're not, you're not like clearing out your cloak closet, but you're just like putting dog toys away. Uh, you know, putting trash in the, trash can putting the newspapers and recycling if you're like us and you're still so old-fashioned that you get actual newspapers you know putting so that and it's kind of a way it feels it's a very peaceful thing to kind of put things away and it is kind of a it's a signal to your brain and it's it's and it's a little bit of light activity that tends to kind of help you transition um you know, a lot of times people do use clothes. Like if you put on your pajamas, it's like, okay, we're now enter entering the time of, we're now in the bedtime zone. I'm going to maybe, maybe want to go to bed. I know. <laughs> like, oh, I'm ready I know. to do this now. <laughs> yes. What are, what are some things that you have implemented in your life um, that are kind of self-care rituals for yourself? If you have things that you do that are self-care that you enjoy doing. Um, well, as an upholder, I don't find self-care hard. Like I'm like, I have no problem with self-care. Um, <laughs> so one of the things for me is reading. It's really, really important for me to read a lot. Like reading is my work and my pleasure. It's kind of, it's sort of my sandbox and my cubicle. Mm. And so I will really make an, I will really, uh, say to myself, like on set, I like for, for, uh, on the happier uh, podcast, Elizabeth and I talked about our 19 for 2019 list. We made a, a list of 19 things we wanted to do in 2019. And one of my things was Summer of Proust. I'd never read Proust and I really wanted to read Proust, but I was like, it's a big undertaking, right? It's, that's a lot of heavy reading. So it's like Summer of Proust. And so every weekend now, I did take last weekend off, but every, like every Saturday, I'm like, I'm sitting down and I'm, I am reading Proust. And like, that's what's happening and everybody else in my family i'm like you can do what you want but i'm i'm reading first um you know my, my kids are bigger so that's easier that would not be easy if you had a three-year-old but um but uh so for me a lot of it is making time to read going to the library going to the bookstore making sure that i have a lot of books that helps me keep my pace up if i feel like oh i have a lot of books to read like i really am excited to get through um, so I spend a lot of time and then like every week on Facebook, I post a picture of all the books that I've read that week to kind of keep a record of it and to share them with other people who are interested in books and reading. So I have a lot of things and, and I just find that immensely fun. Like, I just love that. Oh, and I have this moment of happiness. I love quotations. Like when I read, I love to find beautiful passages and then I love to share them with other people. And so I have daily newsletter that people can sign up for. Um, where I, I just send out a beautiful quotation about like happiness or human nature or whatever every day. And so as I'm reading, I'm looking for them. It's like, oh, did I find a wonderful quotation that I can use for my newsletter? That's another thing that 
is maybe wouldn't count as self-care to other people. But for me, that is like my idea of like super, super fun. Um, so I think part of it is like, you have to be willing to be idiosyncratic and like the kind of things that you find fun might not be what somebody else, like, I don't like puzzles. My daughter's obsessed with puzzles and she's constantly working on puzzles. That's not fun for me, but it's really fun for her. So again, it's like, we, we all have to figure it out for ourselves and then figure out how to make time for it. You know, if, if she were an obliger, she might say like, oh, well, I'm going to do this with my sister and we're going to do it together. And that's going to help hold me accountable for like sitting down and making time to do something fun. But she's a questioner. So she just, she just does her puzzles whenever she feels like it. But, um, uh, so a lot of my self-care things are related to reading. Um, we're also curious what you are working on now. What's, Hmm. What's next? I think I'm going to write a book about the five senses and the body and how to wake up, how to wake up. I feel like this feeling of like being kind of numb or daydreaming or kind of in your head, whether it's because you're behind a screen or whatever it is, I feel like I'm super interested in the body, you know, and our physical experience always colors our emotional experience. So Mm. I'm very interested. And there's just so many fascinating um, aspects of uh, sensory experience that I had no idea about. And so I'm just, I, I've been really obsessed in the past with color and then also with smell. And so I think I've been kind of, I've been working toward this for a long time without really realizing it. And now I'm, I'm very focused on it. Sounds great. It does sound great. We have, um, I think time for just one more listener question. Uh, and so this one's kind of broad, but I'm curious about it as well. How do you handle stress in your own life? Mm. Well, one thing I think is really helpful is to identify the problem, which means whenever you feel like stress is actually a very, very broad, vague term. So if you're feeling stressed, I think the first thing I would do if I was like, I feel stressed is I would try to really understand what was happening. Do I feel stressed because I haven't had time to exercise? Do I feel stressed because I'm going on a trip tomorrow and I haven't packed? Do I feel stressed because I've got a deadline coming up and I don't feel prepared? Do I feel stressed because I'm anxious about something going on in one of my kids' lives? Like, what is it? Because a lot of times there's a solution that is not that hard once you realize what actually the problem is. Like, I had a friend who was a lawyer in D.C. and had a terrible, terrible commute. And she hated her job so much she was thinking about changing careers. But And she was like, I'm stressed all the time. I hate my life. When she pushed herself to identify the problem, she realized the real problem was the commute. She had a really, really, really onerous commute to and from because she lived in Virginia, so she had to do the horrible drive. So her solution was audiobooks. And she said this completely transformed her life because all of a sudden this time where she'd just been sort of listening to the radio and changing channels and have been super irritating, she was now listening to audiobooks, which she loved. And like now she was also getting a chance for, to read all these books that she'd been wanting to read. And she said she found herself sitting in her driveway to listen to just a little bit more of some books because she loved them. She was so interested in them. And she said it had nothing to do with her job. She completely missed diagnosed herself because she's like, I'm so stressed, but it was really the, co- the commute to and from. It wasn't the job itself. And so I think identifying the problem. So stress. So when I'm stressed, a lot of times I'm stressed because um, I feel like I have a lot of things that need to be done in a short time. I like a big runway. I like a lot of time. I don't like a lot of things that are sort of piling up. And so if I'm stressed, I will often like get up early 
so that I feel like I have kind of an extra super quiet hour in my day where I can work without anybody emailing me or, or, or like showing up or, you know, no meetings, no whatever. And I'm like, if I could just sit down and get a few of these things crossed off, I think I'd feel better. So I know that for me, a lot of times it, it isn't even that the things are that onerous. It's just that I have this feeling that like, you know, the idea that I have to fill out my daughter's health form for ninth grade is, you know, feels as onerous as like, I need to write the show notes for an upcoming podcast episode. I mean, those things are not at all comparable. One will take 10 minutes, one will take 40 minutes, but even 40 minutes, is not that big a deal. So I just, so I, I for me, it's identify the problem. Well, Gretchen, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you. I, I feel like we could, I mean, I would like to talk to you for I know. hours. <laughs> Get inside your brain. Yeah. yeah. Um, but can you tell our listeners where they can find you and your books and your podcast um, and your app? Yeah, just everything. Yes. Yes, I have so much more than anybody would ever want to look, uh, explore. But <laughs> if you want to go kind of like the, the center of everything is my website, GretchenRubin.com. And that's, you can read about my books. Uh, I have a lot, tons and tons of materials there, posts that I've written about happiness and good habits in human nature. I have tons of resources like book discussion guides and one pagers and summaries and, my 81 favorite works of children's literature, all kinds of resources there. Or you can go to GretchenRubin.com slash resources, and there's all sorts of stuff. You can also read sample chapters of my books or listen to audio clips if you're thinking like, well, maybe I'd like to read The Happiness Project, but I'd like to kind of check it out first. So you can do all that there. Um, I'm on social media everywhere that a person would be. And my name is always Gretchen Rubin, one word. So that's just wherever you are. Look for Gretchen Rubin. The podcast is called Happier with Gretchen Rubin. It's a weekly podcast that I do with my sister, Elizabeth, who, as I said, is an obliger. Uh, she calls me. She says I am a happiness bully. And uh, so this is my chance to, like, you know, uh, be a little insistent on how I think people can be happier. Um, and that's ton we're sisters. So, you know, we don't let each other get away with much. Um, so that's fun. And that's anywhere you listen to your podcasts, Happier. And the Better app is a free app, um, and it's all about conversation around happiness and good habits and the four tendencies. And that's you can search in the App Store for Better Gretchen Rubin, or you can go to betterapp.us if you're on desktop. And, again, that's free. You can just check that out. And um, if you want to take the quiz, again, we talked about the four tendencies, but if you want to take a quiz and get, like, a little report on what you are, uh, you go to quiz.gretchenrubin.com. Uh, and if you're really into the four tendencies, I have an online course and I also have a workshop if you want to teach the four tendencies to other people. Cause a lot of times people are like, I want everybody at work to understand this or I want my whole healthcare practice to do this or, or whatever. So anyway, there's, there's a ton there. However you want to take it. And, and my newsletter, I have a newsletter you can sign up for. I have the, the quotation newsletter. If you like beautiful quotations the way I do. And there you can sign up at GretchenRubin.com slash hashtag newsletter, which is weird. I know it's, ha it's hashtag newsletter. And that you can pick the one, the monthly newsletter, the mo moment of happiness newsletter. You can get the, the happier episodes emailed to you if you want to do that instead of going through an app. You can, whatever you want, I got what you want. I'm like genuinely impressed you have all this and still also sleep seven hours a night. That is a feat. Well, you know what it is? It's like it, I built it like little bit by little bit. You know what I mean? Like if I had to sit down today and create it all, it would be a lot. Sure. But it's like 
for a long time, I didn't have a podcast. So I just had everything else. Then it's like, oh, add the podcast. You know what I mean? It was all very, it was, it was all very, I, I started my blog in like 2008. Yeah. And so a lot of these things have just been sort of added, you know, as time went by. So now I look at it and I agree. It looks like, oh my gosh, this is like this. I'm impressed myself that I have all this stuff, but it's like, I just added it little by little. And so it wasn't, it wasn't that big a deal. Um, because it wasn't, it wasn't doing it all at once. It was doing it gradually. Well, I will we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. Oh, I so, so enjoyed it much. For having me. Yes. And I love the listener questions. Such thoughtful listeners. Oh, wow. Those are really thought provoking questions. We, have great, we have great listeners who are big fans <laughs> of yours as well. So we really appreciate them. Excellent. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, have a great Gretchen. rest of your day. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm-hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm-hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Okay. Yeah. As discussed in the interview with with Gretchen, you are an obliger. Oh, I am. How did learning that about yourself change anything for you? You know, it was very validating. Yeah. What was validating for me? It was all stuff I already kind of knew about myself. Right. But it was addressed in a way that was not filled with shame. Mm. Where most of um a lot of my challenges that are kind of described in the obliger personality has brought me a lot of shame in the past, um, which are basically like my inability to 
have confrontation or say no. And then also my mm. like inability to follow through on things for myself. Mm. Because as the, the obliger personality, like the, the way it kind of works or the way Gretchen Rubin hypothesizes is that like I have no problem following through on something for you. Right. Or work or like a kit. That, but it's like if I want to do something for myself – forget it mm-hmm. i don't do it so that was really interesting and i it it was it was really fun to just kind of read about that personality and see what she's found works for people with an obliger tendency yeah because it is some of the suggestions are things i do but what's fun about it or funny rather what's funny about it is the way certain things can like backfire how so like for example i'm the kind of person who like if I joined a gym, the money would not mo- – like I would still not go for three months. You know, some people – You or Matt. Yeah. Well, we're both obligers. Oh, it's so crazy. So so it was just interesting. But if you had a personal trainer, you that, would... Yeah, there's a weird – it's a yeah. weird difference. Um, But it was interesting because the way I wrote my first book was setting really hard deadlines for myself. And I also think because you and I were working Mm -hmm. together, you as an accountability partner, I Mm -hmm. actually got it done. Yeah. Um, The same way I don't think I would have ever like because I I reached out to you about starting this podcast. I And you were like, yeah, let's do it. And then it was like, bam, 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 bam. I would have just been like, I would have never done this on my own. Wow. If that makes sense. Yeah. But. You wrote a draft of your new book without an accountability partner. You're right. I think, yes. And I am starting to, I do have systems in place that I use to kind of trick myself into getting things done. Interesting. Like what? Um, The book, well, the most recent finishing the book draft for me, honestly, was just like a matter of like grinning and bearing it. Yeah, that's huge. Gritting my teeth and getting it done. But one thing I do that I have done in the past is like when I reach a certain milestone, I'll buy myself like a little treasure, mm, a little gift. Yeah. I just be like, Oh, when I get this done, I'll go get a manicure. Mm-hmm. doesn't need to be anything big, but sometimes just like little things to motivate myself yeah. has helped me before. So stuff like that. But I also thought it was really fun. Learn like uh, in terms of understanding your tendency mm. because you are a questioner. Shockingly. <laughs> Nobody is surprised. <laughs> but it was fun. But it was interesting uh, just being like, oh, that's why you are the way you are. Mm. Because and and why we I think have a good working relationship yeah, I agree. too. But it was just like very fun to hear that about you and understand mm-hmm. I, I think understand a bit more about like where you're coming from in certain things. Yeah. I thought it was really I have to say, like, I thought this book was fascinating. But it's interesting that what you say about like learning about being an obliger from her perspective and kind of getting over the shame that you felt because I don't feel necessarily shame about being a questioner, but there's definitely things that I do that I'm like, oh, that's annoying. (laughs) You know? Like what? Like, I feel like I, I always like, I focus on like the wrong thing and like question it give you an example like let's say someone sends me an article and instead of like reacting to the gist of the article I'll point out some like unimportant detail that like the writer got wrong or that I think is like dumb or whatever and it's like wait that's not the point like who cares you know um but I like can't help it 
That's that's who you are. You're yeah. you're always questioning. You're I'm always thinking always about questioning. Yeah. And this actually came up um the other day. I don't even remember what we were talking about, but Matt and I were talking and I was like, but you didn't you didn't tell me why you needed to do it that way. <laughs> and he was sort of like, who cares? Like and I was like, no, I need to know why. And that is just like I can't I can't do anything without knowing the reason behind it. Wow. And if there's not a reason, does that frustrate you? Yeah, I won't do it. Oh my gosh, that's fascinating. <laughs> I'll be like, what? Why? No, right, there's, there's no, no point. point. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> exactly. Like everything to me needs to have a point. I can't even I don't even know what that's like. That's fascinating. I mean I know this book I I, I mean I'm I think I, I've I've read a bunch of Gretchen stuff in the past and I find her work really interesting and it was really it was really fun talking to her yeah totally uh, but this especially the four tendencies especially was one of those things where I, I went into it being like wow what am I gonna get out of this right and then I was like whoa I'm learning about myself mm-hmm. and now I need to know what everybody's tendency is yeah well anyway I would love to know if listeners found four tendencies yeah helpful. did you find it clarifying at all what did you do after you found out? Maybe you don't internet quiz yourself. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, but I, I, I also have re- have read the book, and I will say it was readily available on my uh, library website. So, oh, well, there you go. If you just want to read it more, it's really useful, and it, the book helps you figure out how to deal with other people. It, like explains what, <laughs> a, like, like learning about rebels or learning about yeah. upholders. It, it was clarifying in that way too. So, I thought it was really interesting. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> So you were going to wake up at 5 a.m. this week. I mean, LOL. What was I thinking? As someone who has been waking up at 5 a.m. quite regularly lately. <laughs> what was I thinking? I was like, oof. <laughs> I, I will say, I think I clarified a bit more about what I wanted this intention to be. Okay. Which is continued work on my sleep um, care. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Meaning... Um, leaving my phone out of my bedroom, even though I want it. Yep. 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 Understanding that my body needs eight hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. I really love an early bedtime, an earlier bedtime, even though I'm normally a late night person. And I really do love getting up early in the morning before my family. Mm-hmm. Like this morning I got up, uh, uh, well, I was actually kind of starting to get up around five, but six, I got up, I sat outside, I watched a hummingbird, I listened to the birds, Ooh. got bitten by some mosquitoes, okay. I had my coffee outside. So I really, I think it was more about clarifying um, that I want to have like a consistent bedtime. Yeah. I like the consistent bedtime then has my body waking up pretty between 6 and 6.30 almost every day. And I really like that. Mm -hmm. So I may not ever be a 5 a.m. wake up person because I probably would need to go to bed at 9. But I think I can have something that really works for me. That's great. Yeah. It was fun to kind of be like, no, you know what? This is what. This is kind of what I meant. What are you going to do this week? Okay. So here's something I have been thinking about, Dory. Um, when I came to the intuitive eating practice, I kind of got into it because I was had reached a point where I was so overwhelmed by different diet information, quote unquote diet, like, you know, diets that are created, uh, that I could not figure out what to eat. Mm. Like almost was suffering from like food paralysis mm-hmm. where I was literally like, I honestly did not know how to feed myself. And I realize that might sound hard to understand, but I have found in talking about it now, more people have described feeling that way to me as well. 
And so since working with my nutritionist and my therapist and all this eating stuff, I have gotten to a place where I, I feel way more at peace with food. But I am now in that state, that frozen panic state when it comes to exercise. Mm. Where I'm like, what do I like? What don't I like? What feels good? What should I be doing? Because so much of the information that I've consumed is exercise for the sake of like weight loss and getting rid of calories, not like exercising because it provides me with something emotional, spiritual even, Mm -hmm. Um, and also physical. Like Mm -hmm. I like a really challenge, like I like feeling my body work. It's a great release for me, but I have kind of gotten to that point where I'm a little bit like so overloaded with information that I don't know what even I even like anymore. So I'm kind of playing. It seems to be the word of the day. Mm-hmm. I'm playing with exercise. Great. I'm doing, I'm, I'm scheduling different things. I went back to Pilates today. I hadn't done Pilates in a long time. That felt really good. I'm going to take a dance class. I'm just trying to, to not have it be about quote unquote results, which what, yeah. you know, because that's all so drenched in terribleness. Yeah. But, you know, maybe have the results be more about like how my like emotional and spirit feels. Boy, I'm getting there. Into it. This is a long intention for me. Talk to me about if you did a cat eye. I did not. But I just want to say one more thing about intuitive exercising, which is that I felt like even though I was pregnant, I had like gotten there. Yeah, I remember. And I am not there anymore. It's been hard to like find the time and my body still feels weird and my boobs like you know it's like I have to figure out like well when am I pumping and when you know and it's just not ideal I've been I've been doing Pilates once a week and that's kind of like it so and I'm just like okay I guess that's just where we're at right now yeah and that's fine (sighs) um I did not try a cat eye but I did order a bunch of stuff from Sephora as discussed I mean none of those things are eyeliner but you know what I'm what not going to hold it against you. Thank you. This is a safe space. Um, so my intention this week is takeout has kind of crept back into my life. Mm-hmm. And I would like to reduce it for many reasons. Mm, yeah. Environmental, uh, nutrition, the way that the gig economy. I mean. It costs a ton of money. Capitalism. I just, you know, I just want to reduce the amount of takeout that I'm eating. Um, so my intention this week is to cook more. I'm going to leave it basic. Like, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to have any takeout no, this week. I'm gotta... just going to try to cook more. Okay. I mean, people have been raving about your squash risotto. I see it pop up in like the Facebook group and different gr- and Instagram all the time. It's so good. I know. I need to, I think I'm going to put it on my like lunch meal plan yes. for next week. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end. This was fun, you know? This was fun. You know what? It sure was. Still fun after all these years. It hasn't even been two years. (laughs) Nope. But it's still fun. Still fun. Uh, Just a reminder, we do have a voicemail at 781-591-0390. You can leave us voicemails that we might play on a mini episode. And our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com. And, you know, you can join our Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash Forever 35 podcast. The password to get into that group is serums. And if you like the show, we would really appreciate a rating, a review, anything like that on Apple Podcasts. Maybe tell a friend, mention us on social media. We appreciate all of it. 
And a friendly reminder that all the products mentioned on every episode are always on our website, forever35podcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram at forever35podcast and on Twitter at forever35pod. And Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Doris Freer, and Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sandy Junio, and Lane Hammer is our assistant. We will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.